Brought to you by the WZIP sports team, this is Sports Power Talk Overtime. Featuring in-depth interviews. I didn't really plan to ask this, but since you brought it up, what's it like kind of having like your own meme? Like how does that make you feel? <laughs> Exclusive original content. He crosses paths with another best in the world. Oh, that gets you excited, don't it? Oh, that gets me excited. And of course, the hottest takes. My dad used to have this saying, if you don't like the series, you don't like football. Over well, I say I'm a pretty big football fan, and I despise the Steelers. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so get ready, because it's time for SPT Overtime. It is overtime for the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sports Power Talk Overtime. I'm Jake Murrin, and today I'm joined by Alex Henry. What's up, everybody? And Mitch Bates. How's everybody doing? Gentlemen, since UFC 283, the three of us have gone head-to-head in predictions for UFC pay-per-view main cards. UFC 288 is the conclusion of of this set of predictions. It'll be my last UFC predictions podcast for WZIP Sports, but don't worry, Alex and Mitch will continue the MMA content here on SBT Overtime. Our current standings, though, Alex, you lead with a 17-7-1 record. I'm in second at 14-10-1, and and Mitch rounds us out at 13-11-1. What do we make of the current standings, guys? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm pretty pretty happy. I want to say one thing, George Masvidal, and I want to yeah. say another thing, the last Stylebender's back on top. So uh, very, very happy. Regardless of the rankings, the fact that that dude is out of the UFC and that Israel's the champ again makes me very happy. Yeah, we all did pretty bad for the UFC 287 prediction show, but I know Mitch and I, we tried to get a pick back by picking Bedeta. And at the end of the day, Adesanya won, and I think all of us were pretty happy about that. Mitch, you're new to this, and you're in last place, 13-11-1. What's your goal here with this podcast? Are you trying to tie Alex, or are you just trying to go 500 at least? You know, I think as this being my first set, I think it's important for me to at least go 500. Prove myself in that standard. I don't know if I can have four different picks than Alex today, and I've learned that Going out on a limb sometimes doesn't always work. Thanks, Jorge. So, But it's all right. I'll make it up. That you will. So stay tuned to the end of the podcast as we'll make our educated predictions. And then Mitch and I will have to shuffle to try and at least tie Alex. At least that's my game plan. I will go down trying to at least tie Alex here with these predictions. That's what I had to do for UFC 282. That was very entertaining, so we'll see how these picks change for UFC 288, Sterling versus Cejudo. We'll get to the main event soon, but we'll kick it off as we always do with the main card opener between Crone Gracie and Charles Air Jordan, a featherweight matchup to get us started for UFC 288. Mitch, I'll kick it right over to you for the prediction. Yeah, Crone Gracie and Charles Jordan. Jordan? That's how you say it? Yeah. All right, I was just making sure. A little Canadian name there. Yeah. (laughs) Gracie, and he is a high-level grappler. He's great at Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and this is actually his first fight after a four-year absence. And that means a lot when I go in thinking who I'm going to pick for this fight. I know Jordan is a front-foot boxer. He has a very good chin. He's fast. He loves to do all the spinning and creative attacks attacks and he's willing to take those risky shots to go for entertaining moves and knockouts and 
He is not great on his takedown defense, and when he's down, he gets controlled pretty easily. So I think he needs to keep this fight on the feet for the entirety of it. And this, in my opinion, it'll either be a submission win for Gracie or a decision win for Jordan. That's the only way I could see this fight turning out. And I think that I'm going to pick Jordan for a decision victory. He is the real MMA fighter, as Gracie's not an experienced MMA guy. And he's been active. That was the other thing. There has not been activity as far as Gracie goes, and Jordan's been fighting. And I think this fight will be pretty boring for most people, and maybe even myself. But I think it will be an efficient win for Jordan. Charles Air Jordan, not a guy that's known to put up boring fights, but he is coming off of back-to-back losses for the first time in his career. And Mitch thinks he gets back on the right track here. Alex, what do you think? How does this fight go down? Uh, yeah, Air Jordan. What a cool... I actually just got that. I, I just got... You just got it? It just clicked. Not when we broke down him <laughs> versus Shane Burgos? Nope. It, okay. ju- it just actually, like, aired, like, Jordan. That's, wow. That's so cool. Well, anyway, let's talk about him. Uh, Mitch, good breakdown. Um, he He's really fast, super diverse striker. Uh, Jake, a stat that I'm pretty sure you'll probably have. He's been taken down 21 times in a 10-fight career. That is, like, that's a lot. That's a lot to be taken down. However, he's not necessarily awful on the ground uh, from what I've seen. And his losses um, are to pretty, you know, decent wrestlers who are okay on the ground um, as well. So I, I expect him to try to keep it standing on the feet, and I think he will because he is so fast. And his, his strikes are often so scary that you don't just want to go in shooting on him. And we're talking about a guy in Gracie who struggles to get the takedown. He's not that good at getting guys to the ground. Uh, so versus a guy like Charles Jordan, I don't expect him to be able to do that. I think Jordan is just a more well-rounded fighter, so I'm going to go with him here. Yeah, I think we're all on the same page here, which does kind of give us some problems here when it comes to our UFC rankings. I'm sure I might have to change this pick later on, but you guys nailed it right on the head here. Gracie's 5-1 and one in MMA, 7-3 and three in grappling contests before turning to MMA, so he's still new to this sport a little bit, but that four-year layoff after that decision loss to Cub Swanson in 2019 definitely concerns me. He has poor striking defense, and he's only landed one takedown in the UFC, to your point, Alex. His jiu-jitsu and grappling, those two things are elite. It's more than just next level. The question is... Is Gracie's submission or bust? We'll find out Saturday, but ultimately, that's kind of where I lie here. And then Jordan is coming off those back-to-back losses, like I mentioned. Both to grapplers, though. He's landed more than five significant strikes per minute. He's fast. He's accurate. But he can be reckless at times on the feet, leading to those takedowns. He's only been submitted twice in his career, even though Gracie's going to be the most decorated submission artist that Jordan has ever fought With his high-level BJJ, I would not be surprised to see Gracie win by submission. That might even be my pick at the end of the podcast, but I think this is a close, or is as close to a tune-up fight for Jordan as you could get. I have a ton of respect for Gracie. He's very skilled, but he's coming off that four-year layoff, and Jordan is a young featherweight prospect who's lost two in a row to ranked competition. I think this fight stays on the feet. And Jordan lands enough strikes over time to accumulate damage and get a late round KO win over Gracie. So we're all in agreement on the first fight of UFC 288. 
all of us going with Charles Air Jordan. We move on another featherweight fight here on the main card. We have number 10 ranked Mozar Evloev taking on the 11 ranked one of Alex's favorite fighters. It is Bryce Thug Nasty Mitchell. Alex, I'm sure you're excited to break this one down, so I'll give it to you first. Thug Nasty. This is the hardest nickname in UFC. I mean, come on. It's <laughs> nothing better than Bryce Mitchell being Thug Nasty. Uh, I'll talk about Movzar first. He's a great striker. Uh, a lot of people don't really talk about how good his striking is. Uh, you got to remember, this is a guy who uh, spends quite a bit of time at Tiger Muay Thai. Uh, while not his primary gym, does spend a lot of time there. And, uh, I mean, it's pretty crazy. To, you, know, you look at a Russian wrestler who's training at Tiger Muay Thai. It's a pretty lethal combo. And he, he does exactly what you would imagine that to be in the cage. Uh, he's especially really good with his jab and his kicks and keeping distance, which makes so much sense considering that Muay Thai style. Um, and then he'll just go for the takedowns, uh, just how you would expect a Russian wrestler to go for takedowns. This is what I want to talk about in my breakdown. Every now and then I'll, I'll give a, a sprinkle of MMA knowledge. I'm going to give you a little sprinkle of my MMA knowledge. Bryce Mitchell is an American wrestler. Colby Covington is an American wrestler. They wrestle like they were born, you know, in the state of Pennsylvania or Ohio or if you're Bryce Mitchell, Arkansas, wherever. And that's how those guys wrestle. And it's more of a take you down and when you get them on the ground, you know, try to like be really high pace. Whereas the Dagestan guys, um, the more Russian style of wrestling is it's like constant takedowns and then just keeping pressure and keeping pressure. And that's the difference. So, you know, a lot of people, it's it's going to be a very interesting fight uh, looking at how these guys uh, wrestle back and forth. Something about Movzar is he averages a lot of takedowns, and I think because of that, it just goes to show that he doesn't do a good job at keeping that pressure on the ground because he has so many takedowns, whereas Bryce Mitchell averages about three a fight. That's a takedown around. That's average. For a good wrestler in the UFC, that's right around that three, four spots where you really want to be. Um, he's got really good BJJ too, and I'll be honest, I'll be the first to say he got destroyed by Ilya Tuporia. I mean, it, he just looked awful. His cardio looked awful. His shot attempts looked awful, and that's what scares me about this fight because before this, he looked great against guys like Edson Barbosa and, and other guys that he had fought. He looked incredible, especially his Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Like, he looks like Charles Oliveira on the ground. He's doing submissions I've never even heard of until he does them. And then, like, I'm like, wow, they didn't even know this existed until Bryce Mitchell, Thug Nasty, just pulled it off the farm. Um, I'm a Bryce guy. I think Bryce Mitchell's got that dog in him. I don't see him giving up here. He needs a win. He's my boy. I'm going to pick him here. Bryce Thug Nasty Mitchell, a plus 215 underdog, the pick for Alex Henry. And Alex, I'm going to go next here. I agree with you, man. I unfortunately do agree with you here on this featherweight fight. I'll start with Evloev like you did. And you really mentioned a lot of things that I was going to say in terms of his takedown accuracy because he gets a ton of takedowns. But how credible is that when he actually when it comes to actually keeping his opponents on the ground he averages nearly five takedowns per 15 minutes of cage time and that average fight time that he has is around 15 minutes so he's in there a lot he goes to decisions a ton in his career and he's undefeated at 16 and 0 
Mitchell, you broke him down well, very well as well. Uh, his last fight at UFC 282, Ilya Taporia did not look good whatsoever. Mitchell did come out and say that he was feeling ill prior to that contest. So I don't know how much weight you put on, put into his performance in that fight against Taporia. But Mitchell, he's not very active on the feet. He is relentless when it comes to getting fights to the ground, though. I do worry about the standing game for Mitchell because Evloev does keep range very well. He kind of takes his shots, then shoots for those takedowns. Mitchell, he has those three takedowns per 15 minutes, but he only has a 33% takedown defense, which is going to be huge here. Is Evloev going to be able to take him down nine times like he took down Dan Ige last June? That's a huge concern of mine that I have. I think Evloev is by far the better striker of these two featherweights, but they're both known for their wrestling. Evloev is better at getting takedowns, and I'm sure he'll find success there, but Mitchell is better at keeping fights on the ground and attacking submissions, which is exactly what you said, Alex. Mitchell is also great at scrambling for positions that could come into play here between these two wrestlers. For some reason, like you, Alex, I'm leaning Thug Nasty to win here by submission, it's a possibility for him to wrap up a limb while on his back, potentially on top or even in scrambles on the ground. And that's what I'm baking on here. I'm baking on a thug nasty submission over Mozart, Evloev, Mitch. Are you going Evloev? Are you going thug nasty? Well, you both did a great job of covering the fighters and how this fight should turn out. So I don't think there's much for me to do there. But as far as a fight that I could pick against Alex and I know that I need to do that with any shot to win. I'm not as upset for going Evloev here, and I think it certainly could go in the direction of Evloev dominating on the feet when they're actually boxing, being able to keep Bryce at that distance with those kicks and taking him down when he wants to. I know the problem will be keeping him on the ground because, as you both mentioned, he's always shooting the takedowns, and he's getting a lot of them, but he's not keeping people on the ground it's kind of just, oh, let me take you down, and then we're going to stand back up, and I'll try to take you down again. And his 18 takedowns in his last two fights definitely speak towards that. But I am I don't have a problem going Evloev here to go against Alex. I didn't want to pick him, but I think as far as what I need to do at this point, and I'm actually okay with it, I'll go Evloev. Not a bad pick whatsoever. Alex, what do you think about the breakdown? Uh, no, that's a good breakdown. It's honestly a good pick. Something you know, I mentioned, Jake, and I forgot to, is you talk about scrambles. Well, when you look at a guy like Movzar who struggles to keep guys on the ground, that results in a scramble. Bryce Mitchell is really, really good at scrambles. Some yep. of the most phenomenal scrambles you've ever seen. So that, that also helps in his case. And one of my favorite fighters of all time is Chuck Liddell. And something that, I mean, this is such a small thing, but I just want to say it in case it happens and then I can be like, yeah, I said that, is Chuck Liddell's problem for people is he wasn't a technical striker at all. He was fighting guys that are really good technical strikers, and he wasn't technical at all, and he would beat him striking. Well, you look at a guy like Movzar who's been training a lot of Muay Thai, who, like you said, has really good boxing, Mitch, and uh, then you have a guy like Thug Nasty who's really not a good striker, but he does have power. Like what he's Bryce Mitchell has dropped people in his fights before, so there's always a possibility. I'm not saying the knockout necessarily, but that Bryce Mitchell can like seriously damage him in a couple of those strikes just because Movzar doesn't 
you know, he's training with guys who are also high-level strikers. He's not training with guys who are crazy strikers who, when they land, have good power. So it's always a possibility, too. Uh, and honestly, I think Bryce Mitchell compared to Chuck Liddell is kind of a pretty solid comparison, too, and considering <laughs> Chuck Liddell is also a really good American wrestler. So, Yeah, and at the end of the day, this might be a pick that I look back to and change because I agree with Mitch. I feel like this is a very – it's a kind of a toss-up fight, which is weird when you look at the odds because you can kind of see ways for both fighters to win here. And I think it is kind of a stretch for us going and saying, hey, you know, Thug Nasty could win this fight. Because at the end of the day, I do think Evloev is the better wrestler. He just struggles keeping his opponents down on the mat. That's his biggest thing. I'm probably going to change his pick, but for right now, it is Bryce Mitchell. We move on, though, to the women's strawweight division. You have the number four ranked Jessica Andrade. Gotta love her. What a workhorse in the UFC. Taking on number six, Jan Shaunan. A certain, certainly a rising contender here in the strawweight division, taking on Andrade, who is just a must-see fighter every single time she walks into the cage. Mitch, I'll give it to you first this time. Andrade, Shaunan, who do you like? Yeah, I really like Andrade as a fighter. She's a former world champion, you know, and she fights like a bully. And I can appreciate fighters that just impose their will on their opponent. She has great power. She has great pace. She doesn't have very good takedowns, but she's good at kind of forcing her way in there when she needs to be, and she needs to close the distance most of the time because she's a very small fighter, and she has the dog mentality, which is something that you need to have when you are the smaller fighter. And Xiaonan is a very good technical boxer, and she will get into a little bang-out type of fight if she needs to, but that's definitely not what she would prefer to do. And she's good at keeping fights standing. Her takedown defense, I think, is one of the most important attributes that she has. And I don't know if that will be extremely key in this fight, but it is something to take note of because she has the reach advantage, which could force Andrade to try and take this fight to the ground. And that is always a possibility. And this was a very tough fight for me to pick as well. I went back and forth and picked one and then picked the other and... My final pick may depend on where Alex goes with this, seeing if I want to beat him. But I ended up going Xiaonan Yan in the end for just me personally, not thinking of what Alex was doing, because I think she'll be able to move around the cage very well and outbox Andrade. I don't think the bully-style fighting that she does will work here. And I think she'll... Stuff takedowns and out technical, out point Andrade, use her range, and that's how I saw this fight turning out. Wow, interesting. Yan Xiaonan, the pick for Mitch Bates here. I, I've heard people in the MMA space kind of like you, Mitch, just flip-flop on this fight. They're on Andrade one second, then the next second they're on Xiaonan. To me, this fight is not that hard to predict. I'm a big Jessica Andrade fan. I really think she's talented in this women's strawweight division. And I've said it before on SBT Overtime, Andrade thrives when she's pressing forward and playing bully in fights. However, she becomes vulnerable when roles are reversed, like what happened in that short notice second round submission loss to Aaron Blanchfield in February. For Xiaonan, she isn't afraid to stand and bang with her opponents. She capitalizes on striking exchanges. Her takedown defense is solid at 71%, and she averages a long fight time of 15 minutes and 20 seconds. To me, this fight comes down to what version of Jessica Andrade we will see. 
Will she be the brawler who easily closes distance and bullies her opponents with her power? Or is she going to struggle to get into the pocket and get stuck striking with Xiaonan, which is a very diff a difficult game for Jessica? I think we see vintage Jessica and Draj on Saturday night. The power is going to be too much for Xiaonan to deal with. And I see Andrade picking up her sixth knockout win in the UFC in the later rounds. Alex, give us the breakdown. What do you think about this fight? Yeah, you know, I'll touch on a couple things. A lot of, you know, Jessica Andrade is a bully fighter. Is a bully fighter. A hundred percent. But she's not your stereotypical bully fighter. She's very technical. She's not just throwing like nothing. She's doing good combos. Mixing in not only punches but kicks in these combos. And backing down her opponent. I think that's what makes her such a special boy fighter. And I've I've given her the nickname of the godmother of ground and pound is what I've said uh, on these podcasts before. Because that is how good she is on the ground. Her jujitsu, it's there. I know everybody talks about it. And I'm sure that probably has something to do with her being from Brazil. As soon as you're from Brazil... You know, people key that with your, your name, but I don't see it as much in her fights recently. It's more so her just striking and getting you on the ground and controlling you there. You look at Jan, this is somebody who lost to Carla Esparza by ground and pound. Like, uh, that makes, makes it tough to pick. Her last win was versus Mackenzie Dern, who I think is super, super overrated. I mean, she is a good striker. She does... Well, with her punches, her kicks, uh, she's been working on her wrestling. But Jessica has knockout power. I've been waiting to see it. I've been waiting to see that knockout. She's also, you know, she's coming off of a fight where she fought and beat Lauren Murphy, which I thought she was for sure going to knock out Lauren Murphy. I for sure needed her to, and she didn't. Uh, and then three weeks later, she's fighting Aaron Blansfield, who's like a beast. She's insane. So... I think now she's got some time under her belt. Now she was able to mentally prepare. And um, there was also a wardrobe malfunction. And I'll say that in her last fight. And she talks about how that really threw her off as well. And I'm sure if I was a female, that would probably throw me off a lot in my fight as well. Uh, so I think that's all things to consider. But, yeah, I see Jessica Andrade just destroying her here. Yeah, I agree with you, Alex. Like I said, vintage Jessica Andrade at UFC 288 potentially getting on Xiaonan out of there before getting to the scorecards. And again, Mitch, you're in a great spot here, disagreeing with Alex left and right. I'm not in a great spot. I'm already going to have to change at least one pick going into the co-main event. And what a co-main event we have, guys. Bilal, remember the name, Muhammad, taking on Gilbert Dorino Burns, a five-round, that's important, a five-round short-notice welterweight contest. Muhammad, he's coming off of Ramadan. Gilbert Burns, he's coming off a fight at UFC 287 against, as Alex would say, George Masvidal. Mm. Alex, you have the mic in front of you. Take it away, man. I'm so happy we get to talk about Bilal Muhammad because I really like him. He's so fun. Um, great wrestler. He's a great striker. He's like the definition of just a good, well-rounded fighter. And I didn't know he was coming off of um, Ramadan. Ramadan. Yeah. So that's that is that's interesting. That's definitely makes this pick even harder. Uh, that makes this pick a lot harder. But um, yeah, I mean, Bilal Muhammad's so good. Give the man a shot at the belt. That's all I'm gonna say. Gilbert Burns never give up. Striker has a lot of power. Loves to look for the takedown. He struggled. To get the takedown versus Masvidal. And I think Masvidal is awful. So that scares me, um, you know, looking at this Burns fight. And I know Burns accused 
uh, George of uh, greasing or oiling, whatever it is, and then he apologized. He's like, no, nah, man, I'm sure you were just sweaty, blah, 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 whatever, however it happened. I, I mean, I, I don't care if the guy was dipped in a tub of avocado oil before the fight. There should be no way that Gilbert Burns isn't able to take down Jorge Masvidal in a three-round fight that's in the decision. That just doesn't even grasp my brain. Uh, but, I mean, Gilbert Burns is good. He's legit. He's been proving to me why he's legit, even in his fight before um, versus Neil Magny with the arm triangle. His fights for Stephen Thompson looked really good. Even his fight versus Hamzat Shemaev, he lost, but he looked incredible. It's a very hard fight. Very, very hard fight. But Gilbert on back-to-back weight cuts versus Bilal, which was on Ramadan, which is interesting. Um, but, I mean, back-to-back weight cuts versus a guy like Bilal who's so smart. He he really just picks his shots so well. And when he has to wrestle, he wrestles so well. I'm going to go with Bilal Muhammad, even though I really do want to pick Gilbert Burns because I think – I'm becoming a Gilbert Burns fan every day, but I think I'm a little more of a Bilal Muhammad fan. So I like Bilal. I think he's really good. I think he can win it however he needs to win it. Not however he wants to win it, but wherever the fight goes, he's going to be able to win it there. Uh, So I'm going to go with Bilal Muhammad, but uh, not my most confident pick I've ever made in my life. How interesting, Alex. I remember four months ago we were debating if Gilbert Burns was an actual contender mm-hmm. at welterweight, and now you're talking about how good his game is, how good of a grappler he is, and how he's kind of made a fan out of you a little bit. I'll admit when I'm wrong, Jake. I guess anybody that beats Jorge Masvidal in your book is kind <laughs> of a fan. Yes. You kind of become a fan of them a little bit. Yes. All right, I'll go next here. Bilal, remember the name, Muhammad. What a fighter, man. You mentioned it, Alex. He's so so well-rounded his striking is so smooth and he seamlessly works in takedowns as well you saw it against Sean Brady who is one of the top prospects in welterweight and he just shut him down at UFC 280 Bilal his balance and takedown defense of 93 percent are going to come into play here against Gilbert Burns Burns I mentioned it he's a great grappler Averages two takedowns a fight, but he's also developed a really strong game on the feet. He's powerful, but something to keep an eye on is his takedown defense, which is only at 48% here. In the UFC 287 preview podcast, I said that Gilbert Burns was the second best welterweight on the planet. But I hate this matchup for him. Not only stylistically, but... With the short notice nature of the fight, having to get those back-to-back weight cuts, like you said, Alex, I could see Bilal winning in multiple ways, whether it be exploiting Gilbert's poor takedown defense or keeping range, avoiding Gilbert's power shots and methodically landing strikes over time. I like this fight to go to the scorecards in favor of Bilal. Remember the name Muhammad, and it's crazy. He's a plus 110 underdog. I mean, not crazy odds there, but the fact that he is an underdog, somewhat surprising. Maybe Ramadan having somewhat of an effect there on the odds makers, but we both go Bilal. Mitch, do you like Bilal or do you like Dorino Burns? I like Bilal, and I was definitely hoping that Alex was going to make a case for Gilbert Burns after he beat Jorge, and... I thought that was locked in, but, you know, I have no problem going either way, but I just like Bilal Muhammad more as far as my personal pick. He has an outstanding fight IQ and 
an outstanding ability to do whatever he needs to do to get a win. And I think that that is one of the most important things for an MMA fighter. You got to be able to do whatever. You can't just be, oh, just a great wrestler, just a great boxer. Because if you're fighting someone like this who can do everything to a high level, it's going to be dangerous. I think Gilbert will actually hold his own on the feet. And I think that power is going to give Bilal problems early. But I think once he starts shooting those takedowns on Gilbert and starts to gain a little bit of control in the fight, I think that the fight IQ will get him through. And three rounds to two is how I can see it ending in a decision victory. I think it's going to be a great fight. And I'll have to sit here and debate if I want to, hey, let's just pick Gilbert and let's have this be one of those fights that I have different, unless Alex changes his pick. But... Bilal Muhammad is where I think it goes, but there is a possibility that Gilbert Burns could be the pick. Before we move on to the main event, I just want to talk about the welterweight standings and the title picture right now. Can we please, just please, the winner of this fight, get Leon next? Can we agree on that? Get Colby Covington out of the title picture. Gotta be Colby. Are you kidding me, Alex? Come on. He stepped up. Stepped up how? To be the second fighter. The backup fighter, you mean? Yeah, he made weight. Who cares? I do. Uh, what Sergey Pavlovich was the backup fighter for John Jones, Cyril Gaon. He's not next for the heavyweight title, is he? Like, just because you're the backup. Well, yeah, I fighter, mean, I think he is. Yeah. You don't think Stipe gets the next shot? I think. Well, no, of course Stipe gets the next shot, then, but I don't think Stipe deserves the next shot. I think Sergey does. Okay. Did you see his last fight versus Curtis Blades? I did. It was insane. It was insane. But you can't deny, and we're all going with Muhammad here for this fight, he'll be on a nine-fight winning streak. Yeah, but the thing is, Jake, I've been asking for Muhammad to get a title shot for like four fights now, and he hasn't got it. Okay, but you're still saying that Covington deserves a shot over him? Yeah. Even if he beats (laughs) Gilbert Burns on Saturday night? Yeah, give it to Kobe. Oh, man, I can't. I can't. Mitch... Please tell me that you disagree with Alex and that you think the winner of this fight on Saturday at USC 288 deserves Leon Edwards next for the welterweight belt. Yeah, I thought that that's what this fight represented in the first place. And uh, if that Kobe fight, I'm not sure. How close are they to making that an official fight? I'm not sure how close they are. I know they're going back to London. I'm sure Leon Edwards will main event that card. But to me, I think the UFC matchmakers really kind of put themselves in a hole here because, of course, you have... Charles Oliveira versus Benil Dariush that was originally slated for the co-main event spot here for 288. That goes away. They got pressure to making this welterweight contest, but this welterweight contest, I mean, this has to be for the number one contendership. But yet, mm-hmm. you have Dana White every single press conference he's been at lately saying, yeah, Colby Covington's getting the next shot. So they're putting themselves in a hole here. Is it going to be Muhammad with a win? Is it going to be Burns with a win? Or is it going to be Covington with a win? Mitch, I'll, I'll let you keep on going. Yeah, I hope that it is Muhammad when he gets a win against Gilbert Burns. And I've never been a Colby guy. I I just don't like Colby. I hate and him. I know it's a character too, but I just – it feels like there's some lines that you don't cross as a character that he he crossed with no problem. He's done it several times. I just, I just don't like him. And that, But that shouldn't play into who gets the title shot, and I don't want that to get mistaken. I know he's a great fighter, and I know that's a problem for any welterweight that he's going to fight. But I think Muhammad's been much more active, and 
you like you said that nine fight winning streak that's that's got to mean something and mm-hmm. we got to give someone else a shot we got to get someone else's feet wet when it comes to title fights and we've seen so many rematches third fights just repeats i want to see some new blood in there and i feel like muhammad would be the guy to do it if he gets the win and if gilbert gets it i think he deserves another shot at the title too yeah i completely agree with you mitch i think the winner of this fight goes on or should at least go on to fight leon edwards but i think at the end of the day the ufc is still going to put kobe colby covington against leon edwards because at the end of the day we as much as i hate colby covington he does sell tickets the the act the character that he does that he has does sell tickets and if you don't put colby covington against leon edwards who else do you put him against because if you look at the rankings kamari Usmani's number one right now we've seen Usman covington enough we don't need to see that fight Shemaev is number three. He's likely going to middleweight. Then you have Muhammad and Burns, four and five. Then you go to six, and you have Shavkat Rachmanov. I do not think Colby Covington is fighting Shavkat, who's a rising contender, and that would be a two versus six matchup. So is Colby the answer? We shall see, and we shall see how this welterweight fight goes here. And I think if either of these fighters makes a statement at UFC 288, you absolutely have to give them the shot even more. If you're Colby Covington, you're obviously hoping for, like, a split decision, a no contest, whatever you can hope for to where it's not decisive. Obviously, that's what you're hoping for here. But I do, and we all do, think that Bilal gets the job done. But it is main event time, the bantamweight title bout between Aljamain, Funkmaster Sterling, and Henry, the messenger, Cejudo, Triple C, making his return after three years away from the game, taking on Aljamain Sterling, who has some asterisks with his winning record and with his title reign so far, but to no fault of his own, Mitch Sterling Cejudo, who walks away bantamweight champ. This fight, uh, a lot of people saw this as a tough fight to pick. I don't think it was as tough as many other people are saying you know, Aljamain Sterling, he is a phenomenal wrestler. He's started to develop some great uh, boxing as far as using his range. He's a weight bully, in my opinion. He's very big for the weight, and he uses that very well when he's fighting. And, you know, he started out as a just simply a wrestler. He had a takedown in every single win in a fight before 2018, but he started to develop some good stand-up, and... He has gotten eight takedowns in three title fights. I think that's important, too. Those fights were against TJ Dillashaw and Piotr Jan. You know, Henry Cejudo, he's a legend in the sport. I think top 10 all-time UFC. He's been the double champ. He has a high fighting IQ. And just like Bilal, I think that that can't be said enough, that fight IQ is extremely important. And with Cejudo, he's been coaching – for the past couple of years since he hasn't been fighting, and I think that can only make your fight IQ grow. And we know he's a great athlete, but not fighting in three years, that scares me when I need to make a pick. And I know he's defeated some of the greatest in the sport. He's defeated Demetrius Johnson, Dominic Cruz, people like that. He's a Olympic gold medalist. But this fight was all about who do I have more concerns for because I think if if I'm just a casual UFC fan, I'm just going to say, oh, well, I'm going to pick Henry Cejudo because a lot of people seem to hate Aljamain Sterling. And I'm not one of those people, 
but I understand that there is an asterisk next to every single win that he has as far as the title goes with eating a, a Piotr Jan knee and becoming an actor in that night and then getting a debatable, oh, it could have went this way, could have went that way. I think he won the fight, but it is debatable against Piotr Jan. And then TJ Dillashaw suffered the injury, which kind of ruined that fight for a lot of people. And it's obviously not Sterling's fault, but that kind of ruined a fight that I think was going to be very good. And Cejudo, he's been inactive. He has not been consistently training. He's the smaller fighter. And it's an extremely tough fight to pick. And the final pick, once again, may end up being based around what Alex does right here. But my initial pick was Aljamain Sterling. I think this will be the fight where there's no more question marks. I think it, he has a statement win. And against a name like Cejudo, I think it's the perfect fight to do it. He has the size. He has the activity. He's got the range. He's got the cardio, I would assume, because Cejudo has been inactive. And I know Cejudo's very smart, and he can switch up this fight whichever way he needs to to try and get a victory. But I think Sterling is the way to go here. But we'll see what Jake and Alex do to make my final pick. All right, Funkmaster, the pick for Mitch Bates going against Triple C, going against the returning Henry Cejudo. Alex, break down the main event. Yeah, the two guys in the main event fighting to see who gets to hold Sean O'Malley's belt for a little longer. Interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, good breakdown. Good breakdown, um, Mitch. Aljo is the human backpack, literally. Like, I love that he gives him that himself that nickname because it, it couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, he is so good at just getting on your back and just hitting you and hitting you and hitting you. It's, it's really good. And I really wish that Killashaw didn't have his arm hurt in that fight because it makes it so hard to judge how dominant he really is on people's back because he was so dominant in that fight. Uh, but then, you know, like Mitch, you mentioned, uh, it's hard to kind of tell. Um, but he's such a dominant wrestler. And then you, and then you get to fight Henry. So let's see how good of a wrestler you are because Henry's an Olympic gold wrestler. He's literally insane. Mitch, you talked about his accolades, the guy he's beaten. He's beaten, in my mind, one of the greatest fighters of all time, Mighty Mouse Demetrius Johnson, which is just, like, insane. And then I talk about TJ Dillashaw. Well, he beat him in, like, 30 seconds. Hey, he, he's insane. He's literally insane. And then he's beaten Dominic Cruz. Like, he's literally beaten all these good guys. Um... Man, and I'm I'm so excited. I'm still new to the sport. I've only been watching for about two years, so I never got to watch Henry fight. So I've always wanted to watch Henry fight, and it has to be versus my urinal bro, Aljamain Sterling. You know, my he did not just say that. <laughs> yeah. He, okay. Me and Aljamain Sterling shared a restroom together, and it was a great time. That's all I'm gonna say. Aljo's my dude. We're best friends ever since that. Ever since we became urinal bros. Uh. And it's make I, I really like him. I used to not like him. Now I really like him. Um, but regardless of my personal bias, Aljo's good. Aljo's been active. Aljo's been training. Um, and Aljo trains with Marab, which I know I make a joke that you know Sean O'Malley should be holding the belt. Dwalish Willie 
should be fighting for that belt because he is insane. He is literally probably one of the best, if not the best, bantamweight fighter right now. He's that's how good he is in terms of his wrestling. So I think you know Alja's wrestling is only going to be better with that. I don't think Henry's actually ready. The thing is, like you know, you talk about even if this is a dominant performance, Mitch. You know the asterisks going away. I don't see that happening. You know, Alger, or Henry's a guy who you know walks around and he's always you know, intoxicated, and he's always, you know, 50 pounds above his weight class, like, and he hasn't fought in a long time, so people will still find a way to say, oh, Henry was not ready, you know, to fight for a title, you know, so I think that happens regardless, but I'm going to go Aljo here. Aljamain Sterling, your urinal brother is the pick for Alex Henry. (laughs) I'll start with Sterling here. He is going to enjoy a seven-inch reach advantage in this fight against Ahudo. And he uses his length very well. He uses it to his advantage in fights. And he's big for the weight division. I know you said that too, Mitch. He has a great striking differential on the feet as well. But he's known for that relentless pursuit of takedowns. And like you said, Alex, the Funkmaster has no problem being a backpack in the octagon. That second win over Piotr Jan, showing that off very well in his game since becoming champion, I think, is so underrated. What he shows out there every single time he fights is champion-level material, yet he still has all these doubters because of how his reign started with with the Piotr Jan DQ, the somewhat controversial Piotr Jan win, and then, of course, very, we know what happened with Dolce. I know you, you've been on these airwaves saying that, uh, <laughs> what was it, Piotr robbed? Piotr robbed. <laughs> Piotr robbed, and now you're a Colonel Rose with Aljamain <laughs> Sterling. Yep. Oh, how things change, Alex. And then Cejudo, <laughs> I'm right there with you, Alex. I'm We kind of started watching UFC and MMA at the same exact time, so I'm very excited to see him on Saturday night as well. Cejudo, he's very technically sound in all forms of mixed martial arts. He's an Olympic gold medalist wrestler who averages more than two takedowns per 15 minutes of cage time. And he has a 93% takedown defense, which is huge from him going into this contest against Aljamain Sterling. Yeah. I've doubted Aljamain Sterling at every single point in his career. He's made a fan out of me from it like you, Alex. But unfortunately, I'm doubting him once again. I hope he proves me wrong. I really hope he proves me wrong. But Cejudo's size and time off are concerns for me. I don't think Sterling is going to be able to take him down where he's most effective. And I can see Cejudo being effective on the ground. I'm not confident, but give me triple C to win by decision in the main event of UFC 288. I love the pick. I love it. I think it's a great pick. I mean, it's, you know, Mitch talks about how it was easy to pick Aljo. It was like the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life, I feel like. Uh, So, no, that's a good pick. I'm very excited to watch this fight. Well, I'm happy that you thought it was a good pick, Alex, but that just so happens to be my only disagreement with you. So I have to make some shuffling here. Mitch, I'm not sure how many disagreements you have with Alex, but Alex, since you are – the only person on this podcast right now that's in the position that you are, that you don't have to change your picks. You can just be confident or somewhat not confident in some of your picks and roll with the punches. Don't need to give me any further breakdown, but who are the names that you're picking for UFC 288? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Charles Jordan in the first win, even though I will say I have been wrong on, like, the first fight of, like, the last, like, 
all pay-per-views that we've done. Like, the first fight's just going the opposite way in which I'm picking. I don't know if that's, like, you know, if you guys are superstitious, if that goes into your picks or anything. I think 287 was Raul Rosas Jr., right? Yes. Yeah. And I was wrong. So, um, yeah, I'm going Charles Jordan. Uh, then give me Thug Nasty. Give me Thug Nasty. Uh, by the way, finish him. He's going to finish him. Um, it won't go to decision. I picked by submission, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jessica Andrade, uh, I'm looking for a knockout, but I could see this being a, a clear decision victory um, for her. And then I'm going to go with uh, Bilal Muhammad. That's a hard fight for me. It really is a hard fight for me. Uh, but I, a harder fight is Aljamain Sterling versus Henry Suda, and I'm going to go with Aljamain Sterling. Okay, interesting. So I'll go second, and these are the adjustments that I'll make. And I'm actually feeling pretty good back here on what I'm going to do. So first fight of the night, I'm still sticking with Charles Air Jordan. I like him to beat Crone Gracie inside the distance by knockout. Sticking with my guns there, Air Jordan getting the win. Second fight, I'm switching. Thug Nasty no more. Mozvar Evloev. He's the better wrestler. I'm going Mozvar Evloev to win fight number two. So that's another disagreement between Alex and I. Sticking to my guns with Jessica Andrade. Vintage Jessica Andrade on Saturday night at UFC 288. Then the co-main event, it hurts me to say it, but I'm high on Gilbert Burns too, and I'm going to switch my pick on that one. I'm going Gilbert Burns, and then in the main event, I'm sticking with Henry Cejudo. So that is three disagreements with Alex Henry, which is exactly what I needed Mitch, I have no idea what position you're in right now. Maybe the listeners do, but if they don't, let us know what's going on with your picks. Yeah, I'm in a little different place than you. You only need three fights to disagree on. I need four, and usually that would tear apart my whole entire prediction list. But in this one, it worked out fairly well. I have to switch one of the fights that I was confident on because I already disagreed on, I believe, three fights. And I'll run through them really quick. I believe Jordan does defeat Gracie. But for the sake of having to disagree on four fights, I'll take Gracie in this one. It's not a bad pick. I it's, mean, Gracie could submit him. That's, that's what not I bad. mean. And that's what I did with the uh, Barbarina fight. I can't recall currently who he just fought. But it was the wrestler who was a Gunnar Nelson, maybe. Yep. Yeah. Gunnar Nelson, where took the wrestler and hopefully just quick get him out of there, get it over with. Hopefully that's what happens here. I'll take Gracie. I already had Evloev, and that's who I'll stick with, beating Bryce Mitchell. And Shaunan Yan, I have to pick her against Andrade. I don't think that's what's actually going to happen for the record. And I would love Andrade to win because she's one of my favorite women's fighters and fighters, period. But Xiaonan Yan is going to be where I go with that one. In the co-main event, I'm going to have to switch that pick over to Gilbert Burns and hope that he can maybe use that power to shock Muhammad. Maybe he starts to push for the takedowns and asserts his dominance in this fight gets a later submission against Muhammad. Again, I don't think it's going to happen, but that's how I have to play my picks out because I'm pretty confident in the main event. Sterling will defeat Henry Cejudo by, and even might surprise some people, maybe a TKO or a submission win late in the fight. And that's where my picks are going to end up. All right, those are the picks, and I told you it would be a very entertaining end to the podcast as we all had to kind of shuffle around 
Alex Henry's picks as once again he does lead the UFC crew here at WCIP Sports and that's going to do it for this version of the UFC crew here at WZIP Sports. I have to say, when we first launched SBT Overtime, my intention was to build a place for content like this, for sports other than football, basketball, and baseball to be featured and talked about by WZIP Sports. The very first episode of SBTOT was an interview that I did with an MMA fighter, and I couldn't be more proud of the MMA content that we have to offer to you all. I have to thank my main partner in crime, Alex Henry, I think it's fair to say that without each other, our passion for this sport would not be where it is today. And also to Mitch Bates, it's been amazing to work with you for the last several months. And I couldn't be happier knowing that the sport of MMA won't be leaving with me. I can't wait to listen to future episodes of you two guys talking on this podcast and breaking down fights together. My dream is to work in MMA media one day, and I might miss doing these episodes of SBT Overtime more than anything at WZIP when it's all said and done. So for one final time in this format, joining me for this week's episode of SBTOT was Alex Henry and Mitch Bates. My name is Jake Murren. Enjoy UFC 288, everyone. And even though I won't be there for future prediction shows, the new UFC crew of Alex Henry and Mitch Bates will be back in your life for UFC 289.